the IE Business Podcast, brought to you by the Irish Examiner, in association with PwC. 300 experts in audit, tax and advisory services in the heart of Cork City. Hello there, and welcome to the IE Business Podcast, in association with PwC. Joining me today is Helen Dixon, Ireland's Data Protection Commissioner, now, her role has not been devoid of criticism, especially as tech becomes more advanced and policymakers and regulators scramble to ensure the data rights of users are protected. Um, and I suppose that leads me to my first question, Helen. Uh, do you think scrambling is the right word? And are regulators keeping up to date with the evolution of tech coming into Europe? Oh, I think we are. Um, the reason laws and and particularly the law we see in Europe that the Irish Data Protection Commission regulates under is principles based and technology neutral is to try and give us that chance of of keeping up so that the law itself isn't specifically designed in, in a way that it's going to go out of date very quickly. Now that does pose other challenges because of course you're trying to translate those principles and apply them into very technical scenarios and very novel scenarios. We see the pace at which generative AI has come at us now. And of course, there are data protection concerns attaching to that as well as many other issues. But already we can see that the GDPR, even with the principles that it has laid down, has application in those scenarios. And I think one of the most interesting examples of the flexibility of the principles of the GDPR to deal with unanticipated scenarios was during the pandemic. And when we did a lot of new types of large scale data processing happening in terms of testing, in terms of how restrictions were being applied, we saw what really turned out to be a big experiment with those data tracing apps, which I think ultimately didn't deliver too much. Um, but uh, which were an idea that were considered worth pursuing in terms of trying to help individuals identify if they were near others uh, that uh, had contracted the, the virus. So the GDPR can bend and twist and allow regulators keep pace, but it's a challenge. Mm -hmm. And you mentioned AI there, and I think that's something that everyone, whether be it firms or the everyday user, people are are getting up to speed with its uses and and uh, and it coming more and more into everyday life, whether it's chatbots or anything like that. Uh, but there is very little framework in Europe at the moment to regulate AI. And I know that that's something the DPC is interested in, but w would you like to see that fall under the DPC remit or do you think a whole other type of regulator is needed for AI or some sort of watchdog? Oh, well, first of all, it's entirely a matter for government uh, as to where they would locate the competent authority or competent authorities. So it's it's not my role really to be making a bid or lobbying for any particular position for the DPC in that. I think the way I would phrase Europe's work so far on AI is that it's actually leading in terms of being very near to adopting a law, a dedicated AI Act, that is going to regulate in this space. So actually Europe is going to be out in front. And there's a lot of sensible things we see in that draft AI Act 
in terms of some of the risks that are prevalent. And of course, since uh, that act uh, was proposed back in April 2021, we've seen generative AI uh, come at great pace at us. And so the lawmakers have had to go back and look at specific provisions that uh, will relate to that. But even very basic things and concepts in that AI act where you would have to uh, basically watermark um, material that's generated uh, by AI as such, so that uh, anyone looking at it knows that an image uh, has been generated by AI or text has. All of that is very sensible because at the moment, of course, we've seen those examples where uh, articles have been written in newspapers and uh, nobody was any the wiser initially that they'd been generated by AI. So I, I actually think Europe is leading in thinking and looking to regulate in this space. Mm -hmm. And I know you said there that it's not up to you to decide, but from your own perspective, would you like to look after the AI regulation or is it something that you're like, we are doing enough? You know, Ireland has basically basically become a de facto bridge for regulation of tech going for Europe because so many companies base their headquarters here. Would AI be too much for one regulator in terms of everything else it has to look after? You see, I think the thing about AI is that you really need to dis disaggregate the different aspects of it that require regulation. And so I think it's very possible that you would have multiple different competent authorities that would all have a role in regulating. For example, as we know, there are potential copyright issues in terms of the data that's used to train these models and where royalties aren't being paid. And we're seeing lawsuits relating to that. Uh, there are issues then in terms of deep fakes. There are issues in terms of content generated where the AI has hallucinated and where there may be safety issues uh, for users or consumers of what's been generated. Uh, and, and a role in regulating that and any misinformation or disinformation generated may be more appropriate to the online safety authority in Ireland and so on. So I think there's already a role for the Data Protection Commission even before the EU's AI Act is adopted in regulating in this space. Uh, and we are part of a task force at European level as part of the European Data Protection Board looking at the particular data protection issues to do with AI. So one way or another, we will have a role, but I would doubt that it will end up that just one authority uh, in Ireland will be the single competent authority for every aspect of AI that needs regulating. And, and as you probably know, in that draft law, uh, that um, is uh, pending adoption in Europe. It's looking to pick out and highlight areas of high risk to individuals in terms of health and so on, um, and regulate those in a deeper way than areas that are less risky. So you're going to have a range of competent authorities involved, I would suspect. Mm -hmm. Um, just on a side note there about, you know, possibly having multiple bodies looking after this topic. I know that you're currently investigating uh, TikTok and how it manages uh, the data of children. Do you think that's something that other regulators or other bodies could kind of get in on and maybe something for, you know, to look at how 
tech is just interacting with minors in general because that seems to be a growing growing problem and again falls under your remit in the DPC. Oh very much so I, I agree with you Um, so as you said traditionally the Data Protection Commission has been the only authority in Ireland that is regulating large technology platforms and the GDPR, as we discussed earlier, is technology neutral, it's principles based, it doesn't mention social media or internet platforms in the GDPR. And there has been a recognition in Europe that you need some level of ex ante, so advanced regulation of these platforms and regulation that's specific to the characteristics and indeed the scale of these platforms and the different types of harms that can arise. And that's why we're at a very exciting time at the moment, because we see now that the D Digital Services Act has come into force in Europe and there are all of these platforms that we regulate under that legislation um, are now uh, designated as what are called VLOPs and VLOSs, very large online platforms and very large online services. And then we have uh, the Digital Markets Act where again, some of the same platforms, the largest ones are designated as what are called gatekeepers under that legislation. So they're regulated under the GDPR, they're now regulated as VLOPs under the DSA and gatekeepers under the Digital Markets Act. And all of this is bringing together issues for consumers around having choice. So the Digital Markets Act is promoting competition and ultimately will promote better choices for consumers in, in terms of what they consume. The Digital Services Act is regulating online safety to some extent. It's regulating misinformation, disinformation, recommender systems, the safety of algorithms, the transparency of algorithms, dark patterns, all of these types of things. So all of that is coming together now in Europe where we have several different instruments and several different regulators. So in Ireland, under the new media commission, we have an online safety commissioner and we also have a digital services commissioner. And no doubt my office, the Data Protection Commission, will be coordinating very closely with them over the next few years. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it's very obvious there's a lot of moving parts in this sector and ensuring that data rights are protected. But the DPC under your tenure has been accused of being too soft in, ter for, in terms of big tech fines and in terms of bottlenecks as well. You know, um, bodies like the Irish Council for Civil Liberties and data activist, activist Max Schrems have been very vocal about that in, in recent years. Uh, do you think that's fair, given the amount of players in this in this sector basically of data protection that the DPC gets such a hard rap um in terms of you know and the mass amount of bottlenecks and with cases and small fines then being hiked by others in Europe. Oh there's a lot in, in your question there. <laughs> um I suppose it just boils down to, you know, is it a case of everyone's given out or is there actual chronic problems in the DPC that have yet to be fixed? Oh, oh, oh no, I, 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 I wouldn't take that at all as a starting point. I mean, remember, the Data Protection Commission, when I first joined, was a very small office with 27 staff in a decentralised location. 
We now today have 214 staff who are headquartered in Dublin. We have very highly regarded experts on our staff, legal, technical, investigative, administrative uh, backgrounds. And in fact, we've been a pathfinder amongst our EU colleagues in terms of bringing forward large-scale enforcement cases, because it's also true to say the largest online platforms and some of the gatekeepers now designated under the DMA are undoubtedly located here in Ireland or headquartered in Ireland, but there are also very large platforms in the other member states, uh, including the likes of Booking.com and Netflix and Spotify. They're, they're not all in Ireland by any means, but nonetheless, there has been outsized responsibility on our shoulders and we have met that head on. We prepared very carefully for the arrival of GDPR and tried to prepare stakeholders and the public uh, as well. 3,500 new data protection officers have been appointed in organisations across Ireland since May 2018, including in the big platforms. And those data protection officers are a linchpin between the platforms themselves and the public. And we can see that they have processed and resolved uh, many, many complaints. So in fact, the Data Protection Commission has a distinguished and unrivaled enforcement record amongst global data protection authorities and certainly amongst EU data protection authorities. Since the GDPR came into application in May 2018, we've imposed close to 3 billion euros in fines. We have also supervised platforms and lots of other types of organisations in fixing the issues with their data processing that were infringing the GDPR. And in that context, we've been very protective of rights because those cases have attracted a high profile. And of course, the idea of the fines is that there will be a, a deterrent effect. So we, we've been challenged many times. We've been challenged in court by, by the large platforms. And what I'm pleased about is that the two big procedural challenges that have been taken against the DPC, one by a very large platform uh, that challenged the DPC in terms of the manner it was conducting its inquiry and its entitlement to conduct an inquiry in the way that it was doing. And the High Court dismissed that judicial review and ruled completely in the DPC's favour in May 2021. And more recently, of course, we have had the ICCL challenge the DPC procedurally in terms of how we were conducting an investigation uh, into a complaint relating to another platform. And again, just uh, last month, the uh, High Court uh, dismissed that judicial review against the DPC and effectively found that the processes and procedures we were using were entirely appropriate and proportionate. So there's criticism and there's criticism and then there's testing those criticisms in court and sometimes the criticisms don't stack up. So I, I, I'm particularly proud of the staff of the DPC. We don't say we've gotten everything right. We don't say we've achieved everything we want to. There's lots more to do, lots we will do better, uh, lots as we build up our staff, even, even more that we can do better. But we've certainly, I think, acquitted ourselves very well uh, in the first five years of the GDPR. And 
Eurobarometer studies show that there's a high level of awareness and engagement from the public with the GDPR in Ireland, which I think is positive. Mm -hmm. And I want to jump back to um, the DPC's space in Europe in a moment, but I, I find the word deterrent was really interesting there. What do you mean by that in terms of when you're delivering enforcements? So uh, actually the word deterrent comes from the GDPR itself and that chapter that deals with the big sanctions and the big fines that we can apply, it tells us that the fines, they have to be effective and, and proportionate, but their intention is to be dissuasive and to act as a deterrent. So when we find a big platform, and this is partly why people want to see the fines ratcheting up higher, the idea is that it won't just be a deterrent for that one platform we find not to repeat the infringements, but it should be a deterrent uh, to, to the sector at large and, and to wider processors of data uh, in, in terms of what we found. And lots of studies show that the fines may not be the most effective thing at actually changing behaviour. Sometimes it's those corrective measures we impose and carefully supervise that change the behaviour. But what I've observed is the media and others, the fine catches the imagination and catches the headline. And that in and of itself starts to help to deliver the message and deliver the deterrent effect. So there's no doubt uh, there's, there's method behind uh, the very large fines in these cases. Mm -hmm. Uh, and I suppose that leads on to my next question of, um, you know, saying a million euro or over, you know, four, 400 million, that's a lot of money. Um, but even that has not been seen as a big enough deterrent, uh, especially with the likes of the Meta fine, which was boosted even more by uh, the European Data Protection Board after the D DPC made its decision. How does the does that make you feel like the DPC has lost a bit of authority and, and a bit of its teeth in terms of delivering decisions if a European counterpart is saying, hang on a minute, we think this is wrong and we you should not, be charging them more? Not at all. I mean, first of all, it's not a European counterpart. So remember, and, and this is part of what I was saying about when you were talking about criticisms, the, the GDPR is actually procedurally very complex and the one-stop shop is very complex. So, um, under the model of one-stop shop in the GDPR where multinationals are regulated by a lead authority in the member state where they're headquartered, it means that when I complete an investigation with my team at the DPC, I make a decision that's called a draft decision and I put that to my fellow EU data protection authorities, over 40 of them in total. And any one of them or all of them can comment on any aspect of uh, my draft decision. And remember, this would be a very comprehensive, lengthy uh, decision because it would be dealing with a complex set of investigative steps and, and dealing with the application of the law and the principles to, to what we found. So it, it, it may be a document of some 200 pages and any part of it can be uh, picked up and commented on or objected to by one of one or many of these 40 plus authorities. So in many of the large scale cases that the DPC has put forward, but not all of them, we've had a small number of objections, tends to be the same member state data protection authorities that object in every case. 
um, that's a trend that we've identified. And um, you're right that in some cases, but not all, actually in more cases, there's no objection to the corrective measures of the fine that the DPC imposes. But in some cases where an authority has sought that we increase the size of the fine and the DPC hasn't followed that direction, then what the GDPR says is we must escalate it to the European Data Protection Board. So this is simply the procedure that's provided for. The EDPB isn't a counterpart as, as you described them. It is the escalation pathway. It's the role of the EDPB then to decide the dispute. She says she'll find this much. This DPA says it should be this much. And, and, and the EDPB makes the decision. And that's all done in the name of harmonization and, and, and having that harmonized interpretation. So, of course, what we've seen is in, in all of the cases where the EDPB has made decisions, its decisions are the subject now of legal proceedings. So all of us will have to wait and see ultimately what um, the outcome of the legal challenge uh, to those decisions is. But certainly the DPC doesn't regard it as uh, any challenge to its authority. It's simply part of the process and it, it's what's provided for. And we, of course, get to have our say as part of that process. And, and ultimately these matters, as I said, now being contested in court will, will ultimately be resolved by the courts. Mm -hmm. And when you're doing those investigations, do you ever feel whether like outward pressure or subliminal pressure to be harsh, but not too harsh on multinationals, given the vast amount that's based here in Ireland and our over-reliance on corporation tax? Is there is there any kind of pressure there to strike a balance nearly? Absolutely none. There is no pressure that comes from any quarter uh, on us. Remember, we're regulating not just platforms, we're regulating government, and that's already a lot of pressure uh, when, when you're regulating government departments or providing observations on legislation or suggesting there are deficits in, in legislation that local authorities operate under as concerns how how provisions around data processing so so some of that is huge pressure in and of itself without anyone sending messages so certainly not in terms of of regulating the platforms there is no pressure and i think equally when you when you have a regulatory role it's the same with complaints you can't get into looking at oh, well, there's Koch, you know, with her 10th complaint in the month into me now. You've got to put aside who's making the complaint and look at the complaint and the data protection issue and mm -hmm. the principles and whether it infringes. And so I suppose as an authority, that's the headspace we're in. We're about the issues and what we're looking at. And, and there's nothing else then involved. And it's only when we come to having identified infringements that we start looking at the turnover of the platform for the purposes of calculating the fine and um, and of course the scale of a platform and the number of users will already have been part of our investigation in terms of um, uh, any effects on rights and um, they tend to be widespread but um, 
no there's no there's there's nothing else involved in it mm -hmm. <laughs> it's uh not likely to be any other way mm -hmm. and i suppose you know you made a great point there that it's not just big tech and i think big tech dominates the headlines in terms of the role of the dpc but you know you look after government you regulate the the whole of data protection in ireland uh is that something that's too much for one body i suppose again it's that question of is it a david versus goliath type scenario and we actually need more just regulatory bodies to make sure it's streamlined or would that just be adding to the madness well you know the answer to that is that the regulation applies to the organization's processing data the obligations and the responsibilities to fairly and correctly and safely and securely process personal data lie with organizations, they lie with the Irish Examiner, they lie with the Department of Social Protection and so on, things that we call data controllers under the legislation. And so I suppose really the answer to your question is if we could bring more organizations on board with understanding the law properly and delivering on their responsibilities, getting data protection officers more up to speed, finding a way to deliver more and better guidance so that organisations understand how the law applies and what the obligations on them are. And of course, as we talked about, the big enforcement cases can be important in that respect in terms of encouraging all organisations to apply thinking and resources to these issues and to bring it up to board level in the organisation. Uh, if necessary. So really, you would want to get to a point where the enforcer isn't the one doing all the heavy lifting all the time and having to enforce and ratchet up bigger and bigger fines and drive bigger and bigger investigations. It's, it's reality that, of course, there will always be work for us there to do in enforcing. But really, it would be much better if we could get to a point of more widespread compliance. Um, and, and, and whose whose job is that, sorry, to, to enforce that compliance? Uh, is it governments? Is it you? I know you, I think the everybody sees the role of the DPC as cleaning up the mess created by others if there's breaches. But is there something more that could be done by the state or, or some other body to make sure that firms and bodies and all types of organizations comply with these data protection laws? No, the, the role of the enforcer is the DPC's role. Um, and over time, I think we're going to see greater levels of compliance as the levels of understanding uh, of the law. And we see more case law coming out of the courts, helping us interpret the law. Um, I think we will see improvements Already there have been huge improvements, that has to be acknowledged. What we've seen and what I've seen in the last five years has been a big transformation in public sector bodies and central government departments as very senior data protection officers have been appointed and has and as a focus on data protection law and GDPR uh, has uh, moved mainstream. We really are seeing the results from that and we have better working relationships with government departments when legislation is being prepared uh, and we're called upon under the legislation to give observations 
uh, on data protection aspects, we, we can see that there are huge improvements and big investment uh, mm -hmm. that has happened. And it's the same, I think, in lots of other organizations. Organizations have really tried to engage in helping individuals make data subject access requests, creating more transparent information. So the, there is a lot that has been done. But as you say, because the GDPR applies to every type of organization, including, as we often say, to householders who have CCTV systems, in some cases, were spread quite wide. And, and the range of complaints we get is also very, very wide. Mm -hmm. And I suppose it is great to see the number of enforcements coming through since 2018 when GDPR was enforced. Um, but do you think that there needs to be more done to, you know, boost that legislation to make it better to, I know that there you spoke about the DSA earlier, but the Digital Markets Act as well is coming through. Um, does that do enough for GDPR or is that more for competition in the in the sector? Or what would you like to see to refine that GDPR legislation more? So, so I do think the DSA, the DMA and the GDPR working together, that's going to make, make a big difference um, in terms of regulating the platforms and improve the lot of consumers and, and data subjects. So that's all positive from our point of view and is going to be complementary to some of the enforcement work we've done under the GDPR. One of the areas where improvements no doubt could be made and are being made is in streamlining some of the administrative aspects of the one-stop shop under the GDPR. One of the challenges of the one-stop shop is that administrative laws in the EU are not harmonised. So while we want a harmonised interpretation of the GDPR and a level playing field in data protection terms, everything that supports that and hangs off it in administrative terms is not harmonised. And so, in fact, the EU Commission has this year published a proposal for a harmonisation of Enforcement Act under the GDPR. It's been hotly debated. They opened it for consultation. The European Data Protection Board is preparing its formal opinion on it now for the EU Commission. Many of the NGOs have, have made submissions to the EU Commission. So, of course, like everything GDPR related, even though this is a procedural administrative harmonization law, it's been hotly contested and and every mm -hmm. point fought over. But nonetheless, the aim of it is to streamline and make it easier. And I think that is an important consideration. The other issue that we hear often uh, in relation to the GDPR um, are that micro enterprises, smaller community organizations, even some of the smaller SMEs uh, find that the burden is disproportionate on them, that the one size fits all, that the same law that regulates the platforms is applied to the small community organization as well. And I think there are many that feel it has created too much of uh, an atmosphere where people are encouraged to be risk averse about utilizing any uh, personal data and, and that it's harming even some community based uh, activities. So I think that's a pity. And I think uh, the DPC would like to do more in terms of clarifying that proportionate application. Um, 
Additionally, I think there's been a lack of empirical research on the views of individuals about how the GDPR has affected them, what it's done for them, what's been positive and what's been negative. We know from some of the limited studies that were done that uh, data subjects showed significant reactance to the GDPR. They felt in their own work contexts, it put them under pressure and fear of making a mistake. And then they found that in their personal lives, uh, they uh, felt almost guilty for using uh, social media and other apps that they found convenient to regulate their social life. But yet they had this feeling that they should be exercising more control uh, over mm. their data and, and they weren't sure it chimed with with how they were living their lives. So that kind of study is interesting and it's just one and small. And I think there needs to be more of those kinds of empirical studies uh, that bring in the views of the public and the individuals uh, that this law is, is, of course, intended to benefit. We're only five years in. I know some people like to say, oh, there's a whole five years done and this hasn't happened and that hasn't. But, it, mm -hmm. but it, 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 it's been a massive endeavor implementing this regulation across every aspect of society and and industry and government in europe and i think for five years there have been an awful lot of achievements there's a lot of clarity has been brought there's a lot of debate about issues even even the recognition when generative ai landed that data protection is part of the sets of issues involved in that that that's all very new Mm -hmm. Yeah, that is fair. It's still a fresh piece of legislation, really, when you think about it. But I suppose these may not be your concerns for much longer, as I know that you've been in the DPC for nearly a decade now. You're finishing out your final year. Um, but as someone yourself who has collected degrees and masters and diplomas in law and governance, you know, from various uh, universities like UCD and Queen's, I take it this is a lifelong passion and your next move do you know what it's going to be yet or is it going to be something similar in data protection or governance? <laughs> well, that's that's all to be revealed. Um, mm -hmm. But certainly I am passionate about regulation. I'm passionate about sensible, proportionate and fair regulation that deliver, delivers results and um, that brings benefit to to consumers and individuals. Uh, but that also guides organizations in terms of how it is intended they apply it. So, yeah, I would say regulation is a lifelong passion. Right. So maybe you're not going to go into zoology or something in the next job. You <laughs> <laughs> see the poor animals if I did. <laughs> uh, would you give any advice to your pre for your successor, should I say? Oh, I, I, I mean, there's tons of advice uh, I, I would give, but uh, I suppose the main piece of advice would be to look after the excellent team that's at the DPC. There really are incredibly talented and committed people that work at the DPC. And as I said earlier, we're very much united around that mission of safeguarding rights, but doing it in as transparent and fair and as proportionate uh, a way as we can. And uh, so my advice would be to build on that excellent team that's there. 
Mm -hmm. And I suppose lastly, uh, my final question is something that I'm curious about personally, but is there any apps that a data protection commissioner absolutely never has on their phone? Or are you allowed to say that? <laughs> you see, there's, there, there are most apps that I don't have on, on my phone. So okay. we'd, we'd, we'd have to go through a very, 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 very long list. That said, data protection authorities have to live in the real world as well. Um, I communicate and I'm in WhatsApp groups. Of course I am. <laughs> um, it, it, it doesn't mean that we don't use technology. Um, but I think like everyone else, we try to be thoughtful about the types of technologies we use, how we use it, what kind of settings. Uh, we have attached what we're posting and so on and that's useful for everyone to do I think mm -hmm. well Helen it's been a pleasure talking to you today thank you very much for joining me and thank you to everybody who listened thanks God the IE business podcast brought to you by the Irish Examiner in association with PwC 300 experts in audit, tax and advisory services in the heart of Cork City.